Welcome to Forgive and Forget's podcast. I'm Vic. I'd like to give attention today to the question, can people change? Can we change? We know the answer, but why is change something we don't chase after, like the ice cream truck? Well, for one, because it bites. We all have our reason, our own favorite reason, why we are stubborn, why we stick to our I refuse to change guns so defensively. There is a lot of psychology behind our reasons, none of which I'll go into mainly because I do not have all those letters behind my name. I'm not a fan of change, nor am I good at it. However, without a particular circumstance, I will tell you about today that made me face change in a big, big way. And if I didn't change, I probably wouldn't be here today. It was hard. It took me eight and a half years to make a permanent change. And no, it isn't caregiving, although that took me five years to learn this one insight. I did say I wasn't very good at change. So what is this one insight, this mysterious technique that simplifies any problem down to one thing? Well, I won't keep you guessing long, and I'm sure you know what it is knowing this audience. I was aware of this, but not to the degree I'm aware of it now, and that is what I want to shine more light on today, to have this be an initial go-to solution or an automatic one rather than stay stuck like I did for a rather long time. The question, can people change, can we change, sprang up last summer when I got so upset with the spouse of a lifelong friend of mine. Um, She refuses to change, refuses. And this got me thinking about my own stubbornness in caregiving or outside caregiving. I will tell my friend uh, Mark and his wife Darlene's story in part two. What I found were several emotions that keep me stuck no matter what the circumstance is, and this one technique, this one insight that gets me unstuck. Other benefits that I found, it keeps me from getting pulled under by drama. Now, I have a healthy respect for emotion. Emotion may sound easy to control, but it does drive everything we do. Don't kid yourself about that. Emotion is powerful, and it will trip us up every time. This insight also won't let me lean into the myth that the problem will just go away on its own, or that I want or expect someone else to change so I don't have to. It gives me clarity on how inflexible I'm being at the change I'm facing, meaning do I want to flee or fight? procrastinate or be a powerhouse? Do I want to pour a cocktail and forget about it? (laughs) I laugh, but it's one of my favorites. This insight cuts through the crap and keeps me focused and real. I think of it like the keel of a sailboat that keeps me centered, upright, and on the right course. So a lot of good stuff ahead that I think will make sense and bring light today rather than at the end of the tunnel. Okay, ready? Buckle up and let's get started. So this insight has two parts, an action with something we say, followed by an important question. 
This insight is about taking responsibility, but please do not ever think, I think we're slackers at caregiving, that we don't take responsibility. Not at all. Matter of fact, we wouldn't even be here if we didn't take full responsibility. The kind of responsibility I am unpacking today is more about our own safety, our emotional safety, which is closely tethered to our physical safety, our health. The statistic pushes 70% of caregivers dying before our loved one. I am passionate about this because I came very close to being a statistic. More sad to me is seeing that look in another's face, such grave despair and anguish. The grief and hopelessness is palpable. I get it. This had me take a closer look at the things that slowly kill us as a caregiver and the things that slowly kills our spirit outside caregiving. This story that I'm sharing with you today took me eight and a half years to make a permanent change. And I knew what the problem was, or I thought I did, but I didn't. I dabbled in making change, but I was trying to fix the problem with the wrong answer. So those of you who know me know I lost my husband to alcohol. He died. I kind of lost him before we even said, I do. I was aware he drank too much when I met him, not just what I was aware of, but that he hid bottles. His behavior changed for no apparent reason, which of course there was a reason. And the people pleaser that I was at the time chose not to confront the elephant in the room. Instead, I thought I could fix it. I was always asking myself, what can I do so that Jimmy wouldn't drink so much? I spent years in denial and hope that led to fights where I was sure they would change his addiction. I took on more and more and more to manage and even cover up the chaos because this problem was getting worse as time went on, not better, despite my efforts to control and handle it. The only thing I was accomplishing was exhausting myself A lot of harm was being done to me over these futile efforts, and that's on me. That was on me. That was my fault. I did not know alcoholism was not my problem to fix. So how does alcoholism have anything to do with caregiving? How can alcoholism possibly share the same one insight with caregiving that moves us forward in the right direction? I mean, the two diseases are completely different, aren't they? And so is our role in them. Our loved one with dementia, for one thing, doesn't have the choice to quit their disease. Our loved one doesn't even have the choice to get better and live. And we do enable our loved one's dementia. It's how we take care of them. So what is the comparison here? What's the problem here? Is alcoholism the problem? If you answered yes or duh, you'd be right. But what happens next? What is our next step? If I'm in denial about the problem, which I was with both mom's mental decline and my husband's drinking, do I stay in shock and anger and point my finger at Jimmy and blame him for all of our problems or blame dementia? I did, but how does that help other than it feels great at the time? But in time, so what? 
How does blame have anything to do with moving the circumstance forward in a way that is helpful or healthy? At some point, I had to throw blame away, and I did. Some people found it, though, and are using it. (laughs) This one insight, this technique, moves me out of the emotions that keep me stuck. In this story, I spoke of denial. I mentioned blame. I talked about pointing the finger at Jimmy's drinking or Jimmy. I talked about control. I was doing more and more and more to manage or cover up the chaos. I was exhausted. Does this at all sound familiar to caregiving? Denial. I was in denial every time mom's decline would suddenly take a dip. I was in denial that Jimmy's drinking wasn't that bad. Why? Because I wanted so badly to believe in what other people were saying. Oh, your mom's not that bad. Or, oh, Jimmy's drinking is not that bad. You're overreacting. And these are the same people who did not spend 24-7 within our walls. These are the same people who would have a five-minute conversation on the phone with mom or a lunch date once in a while. How would they know? Blame. Did I ever blame mom for not listening? Sure. I'm embarrassed to admit, but I did. Oh, one time <laughs> I blamed mom for not using my new fancy-dancy pill distribution idea, but she couldn't understand it. Denial and blame had me pointing the finger at her for not being able to understand it or blaming the disease. How did that help? How does this keep me sane and calm? It doesn't. Heck, I'm getting all worked up just talking about it. (laughs) So the comparison between alcoholism and caregiving is our response. They both contain the same emotions that keep us stuck. Both include denial, blame, expectation, and exhaustion. The diseases were different, yes, but the emotions we battle are the same. So how do I get unstuck? Well, the first part of this technique is pointing the finger back at myself. The problem, though it may seem this way, is not out there. The solution to fix the problem lies with me, not out there, but with me. Once my finger is on my heart, I say out loud, this is up to me. Now, I know this sounds silly, but here's why it isn't. And bear with me because I can hear your hackles going. (laughs) I can hear your hackles going up because you already know this is up to me. However, when we say this, for one, it eradicates my expectation or hope they will change. If we are at all frustrated, depressed, worried, angry, tired, those are signals to protect our well-being better than we have been. Again, this kind of responsibility has more to do with our own safety, which is closely tethered to our physical safety and our health. Here's a good question for this intelligent audience. When we are in denial or blame, how likely are we to make a change? Can I even say the words, this is up to me while I'm in blame and denial? No, I can't. I absolutely can't. Holding out hope for something to change 
or waiting for someone else to change leaves us at the effect of waiting as well. My state of mind is being determined out there. However, this technique doesn't tolerate someone fiddling with my thermostat from another room. Denial, blame, expectation, exhaustion. These are symptoms that eventually bring the despair and anguish I see in others that I see in myself and saw in myself that brought me to the cliff's edge. The hopelessness is palpable. Having the courage to pull ourselves up and out of this should be and needs to be our first priority. How can we be useful to anyone, much less our loved one or ourselves, if we are dying? Don't we have a right to have a good life, a safe life, have joy, have a little peace, laugh? I lost all of these things taking care of mom. I lost all of these things taking care of Jimmy. Sorry, this is really hard. (sighs) For so many of us, we just keep going deeper down the rabbit hole until we just give up. My goal is for us to recognize the signs and signals of our not protecting ourselves as well as we could be. Coming up in part two, the second part of this technique moves us even further on the right course. So good stuff ahead in part two. Hey, for the sake of proving me wrong or right, take a look at your day today. Pick an experience that stands out, preferably something outside of caregiving so you can make a connection. Did something happen in traffic? Did the IRS get a hold of you? Did your boss undermine your work? Did your six-year-old come home with a goofy new haircut or your dog? Does this technique work there as well? I find it fascinating that it does work in any situation. Fascinating to me, just fascinating. By the way, I point my finger at my heart because that is where I feel direction. I don't point my finger at my forehead. My head is not where I find answers or direction. It's my heart. So put your finger on your heart, then be quiet and listen. Okay, breathe, take care of yourself, and I will see you in part two. Bye-bye.